What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Evening hours of Monday, July 11th, 2022. As the St. Louis Cardinals have started to turn things around, huh? They look a little different since we last spoke. Getting that win on Sunday, 4-3. to Any way you can come up with a W at that point in time for the Cardinals, it was necessary to do so. Even without that offensive explosion on Sunday, the Cardinals were able to get the win and didn't have a podcast about it yesterday because I'll tell you, I was at a pool party and didn't watch much of the game, didn't see much of any of it. Good to see that Albert Pujols had a nice day because I saw when the game began, the bottom five batters in the Cardinals order all had batting averages below 200. Albert with a three-hit day on Sunday, including a home run, Got the batting average above 200, which is good because you'd hate to go to an all-star game without at least a 200 batting average. Am I right? Talk a little bit about that today as Albert Pujols, of course, named by Rob Manfred to the all-star team. We may have mentioned that earlier in the weekend on a previous B-Shape Daily, but now we know the remainder of the Cardinals all-stars, at least for the time being. It's always possible the roster changes a little bit as certain people opt out of the game or have to bow out due to injuries, et cetera. But the Cardinals do have four all-stars off the top. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. We'll talk as well, more than we will about Sunday's game, about Monday's win, because this was the kind of win that can get you on board with the Cardinals maybe actually turning a corner somewhat offensively. Because they got contributions from spots in the lineup that we just haven't seen very much out of so far this season. And so we'll talk about what that looks like and where the Cardinals could be heading from here. They're in the middle of this big old homestand that is so necessary for their success. And they find a way to take the last couple of games of this Phillies series in order to save face from where they were. They were in a bad spot, and it looked like things could be going downhill pretty quickly. But the Cardinals able to on Sunday and Monday, which really weird, by the way, that they played the same team on Monday. You hardly ever see that. A few more scheduling quirks this season. And I had been calling this a 10-game homestand. I guess I guess that is what it is. I just had it in my head that the Reds series was a four-gamer. But looking at the schedule, no, they just play the Reds again after the All-Star break. So they'll see Cincinnati twice in a row. There we are again with those scheduling quirks. But they're done with the Phillies now. They tread water. They survived the series after dropping the first two games of the series without scoring a run. They get the win on Sunday, 4-3, to and then the 6-1 to victory on Monday. Thank you, Miles Michaelis. Thank you, random dudes who decided to start hitting home runs <laughs> is what the story of Monday was for the Cardinals. So we'll talk about that game and recap it a little bit before getting into some All-Stars conversation. Albert Pujols in the home run derby. That's exciting news that came about on Monday night. What do we think of that? And we'll also get into the roster move that was made on Monday with Zach Thompson, lefty reliever who had been doing such a good job. He was sent down by the Cardinals on Monday for TJ McFarland coming off the COVID list. And we'll talk about our impressions of that move for the Cardinals and just what we think of it. Do we think this was the right move by St. Louis despite the way that... Zach Thompson had been pitching really successfully out of the bullpen. All that and more coming up on today's episode of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys for being with me. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you've not done so already on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. You can always be up to date 
on the latest happenings with the St. Louis Cardinals throughout the season. And it's getting to be that time of year where trade chatter ends up dominating a little bit more of the headlines. Trades are being made across the league. The Cardinals are sure to get involved in the action at some point. They've got needs to fill. And certainly we'll be in, uh, talking about that kind of conversation on B-Shape Daily as it comes about. If you ever have any questions, B-Shape for 12 on Twitter, at B-Shape for 12. Send me a direct message and let me know what you think. I did get one question today. Somebody sent me a direct message and said, I'm curious what you think about Juan Yepes batting in the two-hole for the Cardinals. It's something that we've seen a little bit more recently. And is that the best fit for him? I think it's interesting that they've given the rookie that kind of added responsibility, especially uh, as he's not really been thriving of late. He's kind of buoyed back up and down below that 800 OPS line. Then he hops above it with a home run or multi-home run day as he had at one point. Then he's back below it. Right now he's down to 763 for Juan Yepes. So not really uh, maintaining where he had been for the Cardinals especially after they called him up initially early May. I think that was. He was just on fire, man, at the beginning. And he's gone through some periods of drought since then, and right now he's in the middle of another one. These last four games against Philadelphia, he takes it on the chin with an 0 for 14. I don't think Juan Yepes is my personal preference for batting in the two-hole, but the problem is when you're struggling at leadoff, and, and they are right now, Tommy Edmonds, 691 OPS. He had another 0 for today. And so the numbers are really declining for him, but he was back in the leadoff spot. And so you're trying to find ways to lengthen the lineup, but almost at this point, it doesn't even feel like lengthening the lineup. It feels like you're trying to hide the weaknesses as best you can and spread them out a little bit, try to get a little bit of a jump start for different guys. Juan Yepes was pinch hit for at some point in this game, or he leaves the game in favor of Lars Nupar. And I say pinch hit for I don't recall if he actually came in for defense, Newpar did, or if it was actually for the at-bat. I would assume it was a defensive substitution. But the point of this is, you've got a guy in Yepes who's batting second in your lineup, and they're willing to, yeah, he came in for defense and then ended up taking the at-bat. Willing to give up an extra at-bat for Yepes just to make sure that they have the defense out there that they want. And at this point in time, like if you were hitting dingers, they may not have made that choice. You may go ahead and stick with his bat, even with a lead at that point that the Cardinals had 5-1. to one. You may let him take that last at bat. But right now, it's you're not losing a whole lot by taking Yepes out of your lineup with the struggles he's going through. And then Newt Barr hits a home run, so good for Newt. He was one of the random guys that I mentioned. Comes in late for defense, ends up getting an at bat and, and homers. So you'd like to see that especially for a guy that struggled this year for the Cardinals. Offensively, he's just not been able to get it going. Even after the home run, Newt Bar for the season, 173 average, 574 OPS. So you figure when Tyler O'Neill gets back, when Harrison Bader gets back, when these guys return, Newt Bar probably heading back to Memphis. He's used up several of his five options so far, but I, I'm thinking he'll probably see another one despite the home run on Monday. But to get back to the question of Yepes batting second, do I think that's the best fit? No, I think my favorite choice would be Dylan Carlson, actually, right now, to bat second. He was 3-for-4 tonight, OPS up to 730, the average at 260. He's really coming along strong since returning from the injured list. And my goodness, does this guy play a sensational center field. He is as every bit as good as Harrison Bader. I think I'm ready to say that defensively. Dylan Carlson is that dude. I mean... We've seen him cover ground. We've seen him make outfield assists. He does it again today with a throw to catch Alec Bohm 
And I'll say his name differently every time. Alec Boehm, Alec Baum, Alec Baim, Alec Boom Boom. He did go Boom Boom against Wainwright a couple times on Friday. But he catches him trying to go for two, stretch a single into a double, and Dylan Carlson was not having it. Gets him out at second, review, upholds it. Yeah, he can make every play. He can make every throw. He can. He, there's all kinds of things that this guy has been able to do defensively that I just don't feel at this point you're really losing out on anything with him instead of Harrison Vader patrolling center field. This was a ball in the left center field gap that Carlson gets to. It's a base hit by Bohm, and he's spinning and throwing basically all in one motion to get the guy at second place, just fires a dart in there. Really good stuff by Carlson. Love watching him play center field. The catch he made the other day in the, uh, I believe it was the ninth inning where he started that double play of the game that went into extra innings, the Cardinals 11-inning win. I mean, he's just been able to to make all the plays out there. And I'm maybe looking a little too far ahead to the future, but especially with this plantar fasciitis situation for Bader, you don't know how that's going to impact him over the next couple of months, let alone the next couple of years. He's into arbitration at this point. I could just see a world where if the Cardinals are finding that they don't get enough consistency with their offense, that you could get get away with having Dylan Carlson be your center fielder if they decided to move on from Harrison Bader at some point in time. Ideally, Bader ends up being healthy, being every bit of the player he's capable of being, and you end up with both guys for years to come. Like that's that's what would be perfectly good and fine to happen. I, I'd I'd root for Harrison Bader to be healthy and have success, and I think the Cardinals would too. But if you just think about the offensive profile that you could potentially have in a corner outfielder, you're looking for power in those spots. When healthy, Tyler O'Neill is just great as a left fielder because he's won the Gold Glove twice in a row, so you know he can handle the defensive side of things. And offensively, OPS above 900 last year, he's a true masher, and you need that in the corner outfield spots, especially when you've got, in certain positions, you know those are going to be more defense-oriented. Edmund up the middle, whether he's hitting or not right now, you still know he's bringing gold-glove caliber defense at second base, and honestly, I think he does uh, just a step below that at shortstop. Not nearly the arm from the shortstop position that you want to see, but he still does a very good job with range and getting to balls and things of that nature. But sometimes it's okay if that's not your best hitter on the field because you you like good defense up the middle. Well, Bader provides that, and he provides a pretty quality bat for center field, I would say, because you expect that to be maybe not as much of a power position except for freaks like Mike Trout and guys who are able to to do both. They do well defensively, and they're, they're excellent offensive contributors. It doesn't always happen that way. The Jim Edmonds is of the world. You don't always find both of those attributes, offensive and defensive, in the same center field package. Harrison Bader has tried, has struggled with his offense at times, but by and large, when he gives you about league average production at the plate, you're getting a really valuable player. However, Dylan Carlson, you look at his makeup, he doesn't really profile offensively as what you'd see from your prototypical right fielder. Doesn't really have quite as much power as maybe you want to see from those spots. And listen, when he's going like he has been the the last week or so, you don't have any problem. Dylan Carlson can play anywhere he wants to, and that bat is going to play. The numbers for the year are starting to creep back up, and you feel pretty good about where he's been. But just like, again, like I said, I'm thinking down the road, but could you foresee a situation where if Harrison Bader begins to get too expensive or they're not sure about his injury status and and if, if he's going to be able to have that speed over the life of a new contract in free agency a couple of years from now, or 
man, they really find they need pitching and they have to make a hard decision in the offseason about what a trade would look like. Not saying that's what I would do or that it could happen, but you remember that there was interest in Bader for a Zach Wheeler trade at one point, and the Cardinals said no. And you look at Zach Wheeler now, he's he's a bona fide ace for the Phillies. And so I'm just thinking about these scenarios and looking at a guy like Jordan Walker, who I'm telling you what, Jordan Walker is going to be the real deal. Just wait, folks. I, with what he's doing at the AA level in the minors right now at his age, the plate discipline that he shows, the when this guy starts developing the power that you expect will come for a, a player with his hit tool, it's going to be something to behold. He is really special. And he's stealing bases, too. Like, he's a freak. Jordan Walker is going to be ridiculous for the Cardinals two years from now. And you may see him as early as 20, 2023. But I'm just thinking that could be a guy who ends up playing right field. Something like that. Because the bat profile's there. I think he's athletic enough to do it. And you're probably going to have to move him off of third base where maybe there's some questions about his defense there. Although we heard Nolan Gorman couldn't play very well defensively at second. And he's turned out to be just fine defensively at the position. But the hot corner is a tougher spot. And they do have Nolan Arenado. So I'm just kind of wondering maybe if Jordan Walker has a future as a corner outfielder because the bat could end up being what profiles well there. So all this to say, it's a roundabout conversation about Dylan Carlson and his defense, but I'm impressed with the guy, and I'll continue to say it because he's been rock solid. He was also rock solid at the plate tonight, which got me full circle from the question of who should bat second. I think it's Carlson. I think he gives you enough on base, and he does provide a semblance of power, even though it's not prototypical top 10 right fielder power, at least not to this point in his career, and he's still young. He's got plenty of time to maybe grow into that player still that can be a true middle order bat, but I just see him more as a contact oriented guy that is going to find his way on base often enough. He's going to get you homers often enough, but he's Dylan doubles. He's going to be a guy who is, is driving the ball within the confines of the park for extra bases. So I'd like to see Carlson as the number two hitter if I had my, my pick, but I think right now you're looking at the struggles tonight. For instance, he was the five hole batter because you just didn't feel like I mean, if you moved him up to number two, you're really taking the bottom five through nine of your lineup and going, oh, man, I, what kind of consistency can we get from these guys? Just on paper, I mean. Nolan Gorman was the cleanup hitter tonight. He goes over a couple of strikeouts. That'll happen. He's still making his way. 746 OPS, lower than you'd like it, but I think he can still improve from where he's at. And so I think that Ali Marmol's building this lineup and trying to space it out and give it a little bit more length than the batting averages at the bottom would suggest. So that was the the play today was Carlson in the five hole, which I think he can thrive there as well. But ultimately, I would love to see him bat in second. I'm still banging the drum for Andrew Benintendi as well. I started doing that over the weekend on Twitter, not because I don't believe in O'Neill or Bader or Carlson, but because I don't believe that we know for sure all of them can be healthy at the same time. So I just think a guy like Benintendi batting leadoff, with Carlson in the two-hole, Goldsmith three, Arnado four, Gorman five. Now you got something. And then you shift guys like Yepes down if he's DHing or whomever else. You shift those guys down a little further. Tommy Edmond ends up being kind of a second leadoff guy. I think he'd be a great nine hitter. You'd be bumping a guy like Kisner to eighth, which doesn't feel great with the lack of production that he's had. But hey, and especially if Yachty ever comes back, who knows? <laughs> That's a weird situation. I don't have a lot new to add to it, but... If Yachty ever comes back, you could bat him eighth and Edmund ninth. I could see that. But in terms of Benintendi, here's why the Cardinals won't trade for him, because we got a dick dong tonight. Yes, sir. Corey Dickerson, two for three, two runs scored, and a home run. 
for Dickerson, who's up to 196 average, 564 OPS. Listen, I'm I'm equal opportunity. If Corey Dickerson can can give you three RBIs like he did tonight and help an offensive effort that got the Cardinals to six to one win, I'm equal opportunity. I don't care who you are. He should stay and he should play. But we just have not seen that Corey Dickerson show up very often. This was a rare occasion that he made an appearance. But to be fair, he's been hurt for a while. And then he had that monster home run you guys may have seen when he was with Memphis rehabbing a number of weeks ago. And then he got hurt again, I think, during that same game or that same rehab stint and had to miss some more time. Then he was rehabbing again. He's finally with the team. I'm looking at his bio now. Did you know that his first name is actually not Corey, but it's McKenzie? Mackenzie Corey Dickerson. I didn't know that. Maybe he just didn't want to go by McKenzie. Nothing wrong with McKenzie as your first name. Mackenzie Dickerson. I look at him in a whole new light now that I know he's Mackenzie Dickerson. And Corey's just his middle name. But nevertheless, I think that Dickerson... I understand why Cardinals fans for months of the season have said, just DFA this guy. Get this over with. He had not been showing any power. This is only the third home run of his season in the major leagues. And I get it, but at this point, with Tyler O'Neill's situation, and I know they're saying he's maybe going to swing a bat and he's taking some swings, he's getting closer to returning. This guy has had every which injury that you could have. And it's not really even his fault necessarily, but you just have to expect at some point that injuries are going to be a part of the situation for for Tyler O'Neill, And you have to be grateful for when you have him in your lineup, but recognize that at any time he could go down with a hamstring or have a shoulder issue like he did early in the season. He plays the the game balls to the wall 110% of the time. He goes hard. And he's got the physique to go hard, but at some point, gravity happens and things take place, and then you just get bad luck with hit by a pitch on the wrist. That's nothing you can do about that. There's no injury-prone label that you can slap on a guy as a result of that, but it's just one of those things that happen in the game. And so that's why I look at Maybe a Benintendi to say that's good depth for your outfield. But if, if Dickerson can be that guy, great. This is one game, though. We need to see a little bit more of it. And the same thing I would say about Imundo Sosa, who had that little stretch a week or two ago where he had a couple triples in consecutive days, and you're like, yeah, that's great. His OPS is still 491, and that's today after a big double that he hit to put the Cardinals, I believe, in the lead when he hit that double in the fifth inning. Was able to get things rolling there for the Cardinals in a significant spot in this game, you needed some sort of offensive punch later on. And they find a way to make that happen with an Amundo Sosa double. Scores Corey Dickerson, makes it 2-1 to one at that point, I believe. All right, great. I think his job is on the line right now. I think that he's got to continue to give those kinds of performances offensively. Otherwise, you could make an argument that there's going to be too many cooks in this kitchen, and the Cardinals are going to have to make some really tough decisions about who goes down or who could potentially be facing waivers. And so that's why it's really interesting to see Corey Dickerson and Sosa both have good nights offensively tonight, contributing in the way that they did, because they're both guys that you could look at each other and say, yeah, one of us might not be here in a few weeks if we don't do our job and help this team. Newt Barr is able to be sent down, so he'll be the first one to go down. When O'Neill, I think, returns and then Bader depends on how far away he is, but that's another position player spot. And you could say, well, with, with Sosa, does he provide more defensive flexibility? He does, but so does Brendan Donovan when he's around. He's been away from the team, though, with an illness still, wasn't there today. And so that could be a situation, too, where you could send Donovan down if the offense doesn't return because he's kind of struggled at the plate recently, too. 
But, man, the spark plug that he can be, I don't really know that you want to see him go back to Memphis. But could it be a scenario where the Cardinals have to make a decision between who's performed better for the full season and so, therefore, that would be the guy you'd like to keep up, but he's got the option situation working against him. So you keep Edmundo Sosa and option Donovan because you can safely store him in AAA for the time being until the next injury brings Donovan back up. That is the way that they could go with it. I don't think it's the way Cardinals fans would prefer, although right now I don't know that you could say Sosa's not performing better than Donovan because Donovan's not even with the team the last couple of days. But just the track record of the season, you know that Donovan's got more power potential. I think he provides more at the plate. He has the capacity, certainly, to do so. And you've got to make difficult decisions in those circumstances. The Cardinals had to make one of those such decisions on Monday when it came to their bullpen. TJ McFarland was on the COVID list. He did test positive for COVID, and he was making his way back has been doing so over the past week or so with minor league rehab assignments and looking, by all accounts, pretty good, seeing some better action out of his pitches than what they had gotten from him in the big leagues this season. And they know from last year that McFarland, when he's right, can be a guy that really helps you quite a bit. He was the savior of that bullpen last season. And when you look at his numbers from three appearances with the Memphis Redbirds over the past week or so, Three innings, just one hit allowed, three strikeouts. And he's not really a huge strikeout guy. So that says to me he's getting the soft contact that he needs, but his pitches are working so well that he's fooling batters. And again, that's AAA, so you expect him to be sharp, right? That That's not big league batters, so you expect him to be sharper than what you've seen at the big league level. I think he's definitely a guy who is on notice in terms of how he performs in his next couple of big league appearances. TJ McFarland... I could see a world in which they have to cut ties if he continues to struggle the way that he had earlier in the season before the COVID diagnosis. But apparently it looks sharp right now, and so he's getting that chance. But what it means is that it has come at the expense of Zach Thompson, who had been pitching in the bullpen. And you remember, even before, and this is what makes it so interesting, even before TJ goes on the IL with COVID, he had lost his job so to speak. He had lost his role in the hierarchy of the Cardinals' bullpen to Zach Thompson. Ollie Marmel said, and you remember this was several weeks ago, he said, moving forward after a couple of blown games in a row because of the bullpen, from the left side, we're going Zach Thompson for those middle relief roles in those situations where you're down a run or two in the middle innings or down a run or two late or tied in the fifth inning and your starter doesn't go deep and you need a lefty. It's going to be Zach Thompson now instead of TJ McFarland. And from the right side, they sort of demoted Drew Verhagen, Nick Whitgren, and said Oviedo is going to be that guy. And then Junior Fernandez came up, and he has turned into that guy from the right side for the Cardinals relief corps. Since then, Whitgren has been DFA'd. Verhagen's been on the injured list. And things have sort of stabilized, right? Ever since then, the bullpen has been a lot better with Thompson, Oviedo, and Junior taking on more prominent roles ahead of the Helsley's, Gallegos's, and Henesis Cabrera's. Plural. Why did I make all those guys plural? There's just one of them. But you know what I mean. The bullpen had settled down. And so TJ had lost his job, his role in the bullpen, but then he gets COVID, then he comes back, and he's replacing the guy who took his job and thrived with it. Zach Thompson never did anything wrong in terms of his bullpen performance for the Cardinals this season. He he did everything he was asked to do. You look at the numbers for July, no earned runs. 
in three and two-thirds innings over four appearances. And even dating back before that, once he was placed into the bullpen, because he had a kind of a long relief appearance in the beginning of his big league career, four innings where he gave up a run against the Cubs back on June 3rd, and then he started against the Pirates 10 days later. Not a good start. Five innings, five runs allowed. And you think, okay, maybe a little bit green in terms of being able to be a starter at this level right now, but we like the arm. Let's take him and put him in a bullpen role. And he has really been nails ever since they made that decision. The numbers for Zach Thompson are pretty remarkable. No earned runs in 11 innings since going full-time to the bullpen. Back on June 18th was his first relief appearance following that start and did not give up an earned run at all in that stretch. Only gave up one unearned run on June 26th. That's it, 11 innings. And yet, he's back to AAA because of, what do we talk about, the options situation. It's the roster crunch. And that's as brutal of a beat as I think you're going to find in terms of getting optioned out because C.J. McFarland has really struggled this year. You were better than him. You beat him out fair and square for that job, and then he got COVID, and now suddenly other things have changed elsewhere on the roster, and it's you that gets sent out. T.J.'s got a 7-4-3 ERA this season. But they liked what they saw in the rehabs. He's not getting Wally pipped by his own COVID. So they're going to give him a chance. But I, you could absolutely see Zach Thompson and probably will see him back with the Cardinals very, very soon. One argument that Ollie Marmel that I've seen kind of made around the team today regarding the demotion is need some innings, could have to stretch him out back to a starter role with Memphis. That's great, though. The role he was in was fine. And if you really needed innings, you could stretch him out at the big league level. They've done it with Jordan Hicks, though maybe questionable. They've done it with Jack Flaherty, though definitely questionable. Taking guys who aren't necessarily ready to be innings eaters, but they just let him promote that on the job. On the fly, they pick up innings, and innings are good. So if you throw two today, great. You can throw three or four the next time, and you build up that way. And when you have a guy that's not giving up runs, I'd prefer to keep that guy on my major league roster. It really is just a roster crunch situation. I don't have a better name that they could have thrown out there. Ali Marmel evidently telegraphed this. I saw Jeff Jones tweeting about it over the weekend. Ali kind of said before one of the games, you know, four lefty relievers in the bullpen, maybe not a sustainable model. And so once TJ's coming back, you know that you're probably going to have to move on from somebody. And if TJ's returning to prove himself, it's not going to be him. Hennessy's Cabrera is out there. And Packy Naughton already was told his job was safe after that outing last week where he threw the extra inning and Ollie said, we're not going to send you down. Don't worry. Thank you for your service, sir. And so that would be your fourth lefty. And Zach Thompson just kind of gets squeezed in that situation. I think they had more trust in Packy Naughton. He got that save the other day in extra innings, and, and that probably bumped him up the hierarchy a little bit. They trust him right now. So nothing that Zach Thompson did wrong. He's just sort of getting boxed out by other guys performing well and the the realities of a situation where TJ McFarland has been paid money. The Cardinals remember from last year what he's capable of doing, and so they're going to give him one more shot to do it. But boy, if he has another flub, and I hate to to treat it like this in a business where, like, yes, performance is going to dictate and it should dictate over the long haul, but at the same time, it's really a lot to say, hey, you have to perform in your job today, or if you don't on this particular day, you're fired. And that sort of feels like where the Cardinals have got to be with TJ McFarland. 
and he's built up a lot of goodwill with how well he pitched for them last year. He saved their ass last year, and so I think that's the only reason he's still here. But they also know, hey, if he can get back to that, he can be a help to us. But it's going to have to come almost immediately, or I don't see how long you can continue to roll with him over a guy like Thompson who has succeeded in the role that he's been cast in. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. But that's sort of my thoughts on the the Zach Thompson thing. It sucks for him, but I also think it's just one of those things. It's a brutal reality of the business of baseball. And you will see Zach Thompson back before too long, if I had to guess. But that's kind of wrapping up the conversation on the Thompson deal, which I wanted to mention from Monday, and the game itself. Cardinals did win it 6-1. to one. Didn't get those offensive contributions from the main cast of characters in the lineup. Edmund, Yepes, Goldschmidt, Gorman, your top four, all were over. Meanwhile, Carlson gets three hits, as I mentioned. Pujols, one for four. Dickerson, the big two hits with the home run and three RBIs. Sosa had the RBI double, and Kisner, as your nine-hole batter, had a base hit as well. The bottom three, Dickerson, Sosa, Kisner, still below 200 for the batting average, as is Newpar. So everybody that did anything today who's not Dylan Carlson, pretty much all of them have been those guys hovering below 200 or around 200, Albert Pujols being among them. Kind of weird, but they. however you get the offense to jumpstart, that's great. Now, if some of those guys can continue hitting, and then you find Arnada, who is out today, not in the lineup, had a day off, find Goldschmidt, find Edmund and Yepes, find those guys kind of bring in their, their thunder a little bit back into the game. And you let all that happen at once, that's how you find the 10-run games that the Cardinals have grown accustomed to having, but but not so much recently. But 6-1, to they'll take it. Miles Michaelis was fantastic. I haven't talked about him. Seven in a third innings pitched, one run allowed, five strikeouts. Again, just a solo home run that gets him. That's been the case often this season. Really good to see from Michaelis continuing uh, to pitch so well with a 2.62 ERA. He was not among the All-Stars named to the team this weekend for the Cardinals, the National League All-Stars. Goldie, Arenado, Ryan Helsley, which is great to see, and Albert Pujols are your All-Stars as of right now. Michaelis, I he could definitely be a late addition at some point. 2.62 ERA. I know he's not a big strikeout guy like you often need to be to get the recognition for the All-Star team, but that ERA is among the best in baseball. Top 10 and he's really pitching well for the Cardinals and has meant a lot to this team. It would be cool for a guy like him who had to go overseas to kind of recraft himself before the Cardinals brought him back in 2018. I say brought him back, but they brought him back to stateside to play, gave him a contract, and then he earned a contract extension with how well he pitched there in that 2021, or pardon me, 2018 season with what he did with the Cardinals that year. Really would be cool to see him be recognized with an all-star selection once again as he was in that 2018 season, the fact that he's had to deal with injuries the last couple of years hasn't been the same. Gets back healthy. Really would be cool to see him get back to the All-Star game as he did in his, uh, well, not his rookie season, but his his rookie season back from pitching overseas when he went 18-4 and for the Cardinals in 2018. And then he led the league in losses the next year. How bizarre is that? You go 18-4, and four, you lead the National League in wins, and then the very next year, 9-14, and 14, again, you pitched a little worse, but... That's a pretty big disparity. Leads the league in, in losses back in 19. But not this year. Well, maybe he will lead the league in losses. He's still 6-7 and seven, despite being excellent. Being an innings eater, now 113 innings on the season for the Cardinals. Car- where would they be without Miles Michaelis? That's a great question. And the answer is probably not anywhere good. <laughs> not anywhere that, that you want to be. And so for him to be recognized as an all-star would be 
relevant. I think he would be more deserving than Tommy Edmond. Not to knock on Tommy Edmond, but you look at the numbers recently. I don't. I don't really know why the conversation. I guess just because of the utility aspect of it, that's been getting some pub leading up to this All Star game. Is that they should have a a consideration for a utility guy on the All Star rosters. And Edmonds a very good defensive defensive player. You look at the offense right now, though, that's not all-star caliber in 2022, though I do love the guy. Was a little confused, though, why that was getting so much discussion. And uh, Mosellock said he would be surprised. I saw this in a story by Rick Hummel. Surprised or shocked if Edmund weren't eventually named to the roster, which, okay, maybe he knows more than I do. And I know that he, if you look at certain wins above replacement metrics, Edmund leads the Cardinals in, I believe, baseball references version of war. And maybe that's part of the the thought process behind why he would get chosen for the team. But if you just look at the numbers, it's not like he's slumped recently, but what that has done to his full season numbers is made them, them tank pretty hard. 691 OPS, the 19 stolen bases certainly help. I think that's definitely an interesting caveat to consider with what he's been able to do on the base paths. Seven homers, 33 RBIs are decent numbers. For a middle infielder, might have heard him that they they listed him as a shortstop instead of a second baseman, uh, but I believe Jazz Chisholm is injured, and so middle infielder. If they're looking for Tommy Edmond to maybe wedge his way into the conversation, that might be the route that it takes. I'd have to look and see which other middle infield shortstop types are second baseman types are deserving of consideration. But the wins above replacement, the stolen bases, and the fact that he started off really strong to the year, Edmond had been going pretty hot for a while and it's just significantly cooled off, that might be part of the reason why. But, hey, I'd love to see him as an all-star. I just was trying to follow the thread on that conversation and wasn't really getting it. But I think the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, all right, if there's a spot, they might give him consideration just because of the stolen bases and the defensive consideration as well. But the Cardinals will be well-represented regardless of Michaelis or Edmund getting in there. And that should make people feel pretty good. The all-star jerseys, by the way, this year I think are pretty sharp. I like that they're doing some special jerseys rather than just kind of throwing everybody in their regular jerseys and it, there's no cohesion out there on the field. I think the the National League ones, those threads are very, very sharp. They're white, and then you've got gold accents. And then the gray ones for the American League, I think are actually pretty good too. They're about as good as you can make a gray jersey with some some nice bling on the uh, the aesthetic of the the lettering and the uh, the accents there. So that'll be pretty cool. Be excited to do that. I think what I would do, though, is those jerseys, and it still says, like, it'll say Cardinals for the Cardinals jerseys. It's their jerseys, but a special version of them. But then I would have the original regular hats that the team wears to give you a little more of a, a color pop. That has been your uh, Uni Watch segment of today's B-Shape Daily. I don't really have any thoughts beyond that. But I, I do want to mention before we get out of here, Albert Pujols doing the home run derby is news that broke Monday night. I think that's fantastic. It's like... I, and I, I recall, I feel like he's done it before, right? He's been in the Derby, but it's been kind of a long time ago. And when he was at the height of his dominating the National League, it seemed like he didn't do it all that often in his true prime. Looks like he's done. This will be his fifth home run Derby, according to Katie's article. And so that's cool. He's done it a few times before, but to see him do it, for almost even a new generation of fans and alongside guys like Pete Alonzo, who's won the thing twice in a row, big, strong guys we know, that'll be kind of cool to see, and I'm rooting for him. And listen, he can put on a show in batting practice. I worry, like the obvious worry is like he's going to get tuckered out. He's 42. 
it's it's just not really possible. But the guy does put on a show during batting practice. Like he he absolutely can put the ball over the over the wall at will during BP. And as long as he doesn't let kind of the, the pressure get to him, which sounds funny to say because this guy doesn't like pressure does not phase him in the normal act of the game. He's just such a clutch player over the course of time has always been, but this is just a little bit different. And so I hope that he's got the, the juice to, to put on a good show for not only Cardinals fans, but all, all of baseball be in Los Angeles. That'll be cool. You know, he played for the Dodgers a bit last year, obviously long time with the angels after leaving the Cardinals in 11. So that'd be kind of neat. I'm really excited to see what Albert does with the home run derby. And more than anything, I'm glad to see he's doing it just that he's been able to loosen up a little bit in his final year enjoys he's been talking about soaking it in and he's allowed himself to do that this year more than he had previously perhaps and I think this is an example of that allowing himself to have some fun do the home run derby why not give it a go and I think he will enjoy it and it'll be a lot of fun for Cardinals fans to watch him but that's gonna do it for this edition of be Shafe daily appreciate you guys as always for listening good to see the Cardinals trying to put a little win streak together they took care of the fills on Sunday and Monday we'll see what the week should bring with the Los Angeles Dodgers coming to town. You know you're going to face some good pitching. You know you're going to face some good offense, and so it'll be difficult for the Cardinals, but it's a good test. A good test to see where they're at right now, if they can get things rolling offensively and sort of put the last week behind them. We'll be back on Tuesday night with more B-Shape Daily, breaking down the game between the Cardinals and the Dodgers from Tuesday. Until then, thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace! <laughs>